<laughs> I'm totally doing this. Okay, so do, do you want to lay your pearls of wisdom all over Mr. T? Oh, it sounds terrible. That sounds so dirty. I think what we should start off first with is we got a really nice email uh, about a month ago um, after the last episode was aired. Uh-huh. From one Ira Yake. Oh, I remembered this one. This was awesome. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll link this in the show notes. But uh, Ira Yake uh, wrote a really, really nice review of the email on their blog. A, re- um, a really nice review of their email. No. <laughs> That's not what I said. Even if you rewind it, you won't hear me saying that. Um, they wrote a really nice review of the podcast on their blog. And um, it was just a really, really encouraging thing to hear. So thank you for that, Ira. Yeah, and we haven't really had uh, written reviews of the podcast. So this is, I think this is a first. Not outside our own kind of structure. No, not, not outside the emails or the forum or whatever. Exactly, yeah. Like um, independent reviews we haven't really had. This, um, this is the first one I've come across. So thank you very much for sending it to us, Ira. It was And um, it was awesome. everyone go read it because it is accurate about how great we are. <laughs> Oh, Phil, Phil, never change. You know that. <laughs> there, there's a, there is a pertinent point Ira brings up that I thought I'd just put out there. Yeah? He he mentions um, his favorite episode being... What's what's the favorite episode? Being Hand Wavy and Dagger, the, the one where we built those star systems. Yeah. So it got me thinking that, like, ostensibly this is a world-building podcast. So ostensibly, ostensibly, yeah, and so I don't think he he's an outlier in this regard. Like maybe a lot of people are are in this to hear us do more world building, and like we don't really do that. So I wanted to put it out to the community uh, and just ask them like, what was their favorite episode, and then maybe we can use as data to inform how we go forward. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear what what, what is it. Y'all want to hear? Yeah, because and as well because he mentions that uh, in the in the review he mentions that he likes when we talk about our lives in the green room, and like mm-hmm. uh, and then this got me wondering like is there a proportion of people here who just want to hear about us as people and like yeah so it's just an interesting thing I think it might well, be... I think we're very interesting I think fifty percent of us are very interesting. <laughs> like I don't think a hundred percent of us are very interesting. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm um, not going to interrogate that. I'm going to let that up to the viewers to or to the listeners to interpret. Geez, the words are really working out well today, Bill, aren't they? How about you go... Actually, damn, you're going to censor it if I say anything particularly nasty. I'll come back to you with a good rebuttal. Okay. You can write it in the show notes to, like, trip me up I'll, when I'm I'll trying write to... in the show notes, yeah. <laughs> go boil your head. <laughs> anyway, so thank you to Ira. That was, that was awesome. And it was a really well-written uh, and thoughtful review it's really good we'll link like bill said and have a read show the guys some support it's really cool um on the the topic of the forum and stuff did you, you wanted to bring up some kind of housekeeping rules about about that kind of thing on the subreddit did you yeah th- this is perhaps going to get a little bit serious for a second bill uh i apologize but i feel like we, we need to have a uh, a bit of a sit down and a talk is that you okay? and I. You and I and the silent third party that is the greater Artifexia. 
Okay. Um, so a couple of things about uh, about uh, noticing on the subreddit, and I just want to put it out there for the sake of like better discourse. Um, a, lo- a lot of people are tending to leave huge comments, like like theses worth of comments, which is awesome. And I love the way people are into our show that way. But can I advocate to people that they break up their comments by topic? So you can have like, and this is something that other podcasters have talked about. So you can have clearly delineated conversations. So you can have a like a comment about the review and then a comment about Edgar doing this talk. And then people can respond to that. Do you know what I mean? This isn't just you trying to like bump up the number of actual discrete comments we get now to make us make us look like we've got way more traffic. I see through your game. <laughs> yeah, like because that's how that's how Reddit operates. Yeah, we're totally going to hit the front page by doing this. <laughs> no, yeah. no, but no, I just think because it makes it it makes it um like uh, there's there was one particular comment the last time. It was a big big long thing again, which I really appreciate. But there was one thing that I that really caught my attention in it, and I wanted to respond to that. But then I felt bad for not responding to everything. Yeah. And then you end up, what happens is, at least for me, I end up leaving kind of what I think is kind of almost inconsiderate comments like, oh yeah, that was really cool. Great idea. Well done. You know, and you want to just be able to respond to the ones that really yeah. hit you and put your all into those comments, you know? It, it facilitates better um, better discussion, I guess. Yeah. And then like if someone like is coming for a particular topic, they can find those topics and get involved, you know? Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So that is something that I would advocate people do. I, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, if you want to write a thesis, I, I, no one's going to stop you, and that's cool. And we will, I will, at least I will definitely read it. And um, I think that will be uh, uh, better for for the the subreddit. Now, the, yeah. The other point is, and this is slightly more uh, kind of like uh, putting on the teacher hat here, is we need to we need to curb a little bit of the plugging that's going on. And I, right. I mean this in the best possible way, and I don't want to come across as being kind of, I don't know, entitled or cruel or mean or anything. But I've been finding that a lot of people have have been plugging their own projects on the subreddit. And that is that is something that I'm not comfortable with, but I totally get why people do. Uh, but it's just something I want to ask that people maybe refrain from doing unless it is intimately tied to what's going on. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Could you clarify a little why it's uncomfortable? For me to talk about this? No. Why you're uncomfortable with people doing it? Uh, well, no, no, it's not so much I'm uncomfortable with people doing it. I, no, well, I am uncomfortable because it, because it turns into then like a sales pitch sort of thing. And we want the subreddit to be a place where we all talk about our common interests, not a place where we go and try to find new stuff to subscribe to. Does that make sense? You know, what we could do is we could start a thread on the sub for people to plug their projects. So all plugging will be directed there. Okay, but then what happens, we devolve it into shameless, like there is a subreddit for this called or slash shameless plug. We, we, it devolves into... Okay, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure we can strike some kind of happy medium that it'll keep the, the comment threads for the videos and the podcasts clear. And then people can say, look, I made this thing and they can discuss it in that, that thread and it won't spill out and get in the way of the discussion in the rest of the sub. I think a happy medium would be email. 
I, th- I think send okay. email because so people email us and we'll we'll like plug the stuff that is relevant and yeah so we can we can kind of do a little bit of vetting behind the scenes to ensure that the greater community gets what we deem to be like the best stuff or the not yeah. see oh it's so hard top it's not the best stuff but like the most applicable stuff you know yeah. like someone could have an in, an amazing project that they're doing but it may not be applicable to everyone in which case is it really worth talking about you know and again mm-hmm. i'm so sorry to people but people are probably like you know they're they're probably cussing me out here going like what a douchebag but i think i think this is important to do to try and like you know keep keep the boat that is the community going along the straight and narrow and just as as a little thing here like i am totally on board with why people like plug like this like I did, did this at the start as well, where I was like craving views and craving that that someone would just watch my stuff. So I went to like or or slash shameless plug and put my stuff there. I every like subreddit that was even remotely applicable to the thing I was doing, I put my stuff there. Mm. And you do that at the start because you're you're craving it, but then after a while, I think you begin to realize that that's not actually the most healthy way of doing it. And the way of doing it is to uh, plug where it truly is uh, merited. Do you know what I mean? And like, is part of the discussion. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm really sorry to, to the people who have been plugging. I, I like, I've had a look at your projects. It's like, they're really cool. They're really awesome, but we can't, we can't devolve this po- podcast into here's all the things everyone's been doing and let's not talk about other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, and and uh, you can send all the hate me uh, hate emails you want. It's it's all good. I'm really sorry, but it needs to be done. <laughs> I'll I'll read them and protect you from them, Edgar. Oh, thanks, Bill. I yeah. I fully expected you to say I'll read them on air at you, Edgar. I mean, I might. <laughs> I I think that would actually make a really fun episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have um, there's, there's one more thing I need to talk about, just in a general housekeeping sense. Yep. Uh, and that is, uh, we switched, or I say we, I, I switched the format of the podcast from MP3 to M4A, right? Now this, yes. this might seem... Immen- from a general kind of standard format to an Apple curated format. Right. Now this might seem like a really dull topic to talk about, but it actually has impacted some listeners. So I think this is something we need to go through. Um. The MP3 file format gives you the audio. That 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 is it. You get the audio, and that's it. The M4A file format allows us to put artwork and links and all this more complicated stuff into the actual like file, so podcast players can read it, and it's a it's a more enhanced more enhanced experience for listeners. Mm-hmm. The I did not realize there are any downsides to this, but I've been getting emails and comments from people saying that they are having problems playing the episodes. Yeah, and I'm I can assume it's because of the switch to the file format. So we're at a bit of a conundrum here, Bill. Uh, so I want to know what you think. Either we revert back to the old file format in which everyone can listen in any medium but we lose things like including artwork or including skippable chapters, which I think is important for spoilers. Like if we talk about spoilers, the listener can add a click, skip the spoilery section. So we we will lose all of that and go back to just the plain audio. Or we say to people, we direct people to like say podcast players that 
can play M4A files uh, cause a bit of like stress on their part, but keep the M4A file. So well, what what have the problems with the M4A been? Um, so some people haven't been able to download it, which is which is pretty awful. That's <laughs> and pretty serious. That's pretty serious. And they've gone, which is amazing on part of the listeners, they've gone through like incredibly convoluted things to try and get the file and eventually got it. But like, we don't want that to be standard. And then other yeah. people can't play it at um, increased speed. Like lots of people like myself like to listen to uh, content at like 1.25x and things like that. They can't do that. Yeah. So there's, there's various little things that are interfering with how the listeners listen to their podcasts. Right. So what, what are your thoughts here? The M4A does have a lot of benefits, but we want to make things as easy as possible. Um, hmm. It's tricky. Like, I would advocate, if it was, if it was just me, I would advocate that people... Uh, go to the recognized podcast players. So uh, that's Overcast on iOS. And is it called Pocketcast? Is the big one on, on Android? I'll, ch- I'll check the Play Store and see if it's here. Yeah, Pocketcast. Yeah, uh, I think that's the big one. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Reddit. But because um, the big ones should tailor for all of this. Like they, they should. Like I know Overcast does for a fact, but th- maybe that's because it's an, it's an Apple thing. And I'm using an mm. Apple format. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's a tricky one. It's a real tricky one. There certainly is one called Pocket Casts, a paid app that's about three quid. Um, oh, it's, it's paid. Oh, I hate I hate having to tell people, go do a thing that's paid. Um, yeah, it, this is really tricky. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. Like, like, I like M4A. I like that enhanced podcast. I like the chapters, particularly with yeah, spoilers. Chapters, is, chapters sounds like a big thing. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. Like the artwork, I can live without. Like that's that's totally fine. Um, yeah. But the chapters are a big thing. So I don't know. We're gonna have to think it over, and we're gonna have to listen to the subreddit, see what they say. Um, okay. But I think this is a situation that needs at least to be brought to light. Uh, yeah. And if not fully resolved, ongoing debate. Ongoing debate. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, anyhow, just a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, comments. Uh, rules regarding plugging. And then let us know what the jazz is with the file format and what what, what we all think. Yeah. Cool. Um, there's a couple more emails I'd like to have a quick go over. Cool. Um, we got one from Orson2013. Orson, like like the letter or? Orson, yes. Uh, O-R-S-U-N. Radio Sierra. <laughs> I don't know the NATO alphabet, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you'd think I'd know the NATO alphabet, wouldn't you? It's one of those things you should know, really, isn't it? Uniform November. November? Yeah, for N. Huh, that's, that seems weird. Did, what, did, is there a methodology between how they choose these names, or did they just literally just go, what begins with N? November. Great. Well, that they won't sound like each other, so that oh. they'll all sound distinct, even if you miss the first letter. If, if the radio is crackly and you hear... Alf, Alf Hotel Ictor, you'll know that it's Golf Hotel Victor. Oh, okay, so that's their only criteria and make them individually distinct. Right. Yeah, so that even when you when there's a loss of signal, when there's significant loss of signal, it'll still be um clear what it is. Because oh. if it was like if it was Bravo, Cravo, Dravo, Fravo, <laughs> then you're immediately gonna have a problem. 
I, yeah, I could see that being an issue. Yeah, that's that is yeah. that is that is right. <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah, this is from Orson twenty thirteen, as in Romeo Sierra uniform November two zero one three. Um who is a high school sophomore in Alabama. They want to know if there's any software we can recommend to help with world building um, and any advice on making conlangs. Well, first of all, for conlangs, check out Edgar's conlang videos. Yeah, they're they're passable. That's that's a good place to start. Um, and there's plenty of conlang users out there. There's a conlanging subreddit. Um, and I'm sure they can direct you. I, I haven't done a lot of it myself. I haven't done any of it, really. Or slash Conlangs um, is very good. I yeah. re- I really like that place. That is a very good place. And as regards the software, I mean, that's a very, very open question. It depends hugely on what you actually want to do. We've talked a good bit about um, writing software already, about how to keep your ideas in check. The, um, the last few episodes, we've covered that a fair bit. How to connect it all together? Post-it notes. Post, yes, <laughs> yeah, like like in a like in a cop show, a big board with post-it notes yeah. and like coloured thread yeah. linking things together. That's the only way um, to fly. The only way to fly. And then when the when the board gets too full, you take a Polaroid picture of it and put it in a folder. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, I actually think that's quite quite an elegant solution. Um, okay. Then if you want to start like messing around with. Uh, the like you know making solar systems and making stellar systems and things um universe sandbox is brilliant that's a really good program yes. second um it can be a little bit uh intimidating if you just kind of jump in and try and just like put stuff together it, uh, you don't know how this stuff works if you look online you should find some um youtube series or something that will tell you about like how to build realistic solar systems and like realistic stars and planets um, inside Universe Sandbox because half halfway through that sentence I was like are you giving me another sly plug there but no Bill is referring to other people who are just talking about the, the, the simulator Universe Sandbox was I? I, I assumed you were no I, I meant I meant Artifexian <laughs> Dude, come on <laughs> <laughs> uh, but okay so they're, they're, that's a big one yeah yeah, yeah I use that and... one there's a load of stuff for maps out there as well. If it's like you're interested in making maps, um, there's again world building has has links to a lot of good tutorials, as does or map making. Um, so really, it's it's a very very broad question. It depends on what the actual product you want to to generate is. If you just want to kind of come up with ideas, I mean, you don't need software. You can just write them down. But if you're talking about using software to to generate your ideas or to influence your ideas, it really depends what format you want to present it in. Uh, I have some additional software, just in a general sense, uh, things, oh, that, yeah? things that I've sitting on my computer. Um, there is a program called G-Plates. Um, G-Plates. I don't know what the NATO alphabet for G is. Uh, gamma, I'm going to guess. Gamma. Let's check. So that's Gamma uh, Plates. Golf. Golf. golf plates. Oh, of course, golf, yeah. So, G-Plates is a, a um, plate tectonic simulator. Um, cool. And you could... Well, mm, just give me a second now. You, the, uh, apparently, what you're meant to be able to do is basically just draw plates onto a globe and then effectively hit play, and then it simulates millions of years of movement. Um, right. If it, was, if it did that simply, that would be great, but it's an extremely difficult program to use. 
Right. Like, it is convoluted to, like, the extreme. So, uh, dear or son, if you, if you have, like, if you don't value your time, I download that uh, <laughs> and then give it a shot. Um, additionally, I want to talk a little bit about, about like, programs not to use. Um, I'm kind of outspoken about this. Like, random generators. Please don't use yeah. random generators. Now, we had, like, uh, Dominic, our resident space cartographer, uh, crafted a random generator. And that's great, and that's fun, and that's really cool. But, like, if you're going to be serious about, say, I'm going to write a novel or whatever, and I want to try and do some world building behind it, random generators kind of, they lack emotion, do you know? They, re- yeah. they lack a human touch. And you can always kind of tell when something's been random, randomly generated. And no more is the problem than in map making. Like, those fractal-based maps, they just look like fractal-based maps, and they don't have the feeling of real maps. And I, Yeah, and they don't fit together, and it's, yeah. Yeah, they don't, yeah. I mean, I, I think they're probably useful as a, as a starting point, but don't, like, use it and run and say, that's it done, and run with it. That's, actually, that's a very good idea. Yeah, you can use it to generate ideas, yes, but don't be a slave to random generators. Yeah, yeah, because I see, I see way too much of that, and I also see, and it kind of saddens me a little bit. You, you get some posts on or slash world building, and it's like I made this random generator, and it gets like a bazillion upvotes, and I, I kind of part of me just wants to grab people and be like, no, no, but you are a creative entity. You be creative, and like even people who think they aren't creative, they can be creative. You don't have to just like use the random generator for everything. Mm-hmm. Sorry, just a little rant. I've ranted about this before on videos. This is a big sticking point in me. Randomly generated uh, maps, in particular, no, no bueno. Yeah, no, that, that's that, that's entirely fair. Or at least you know have some kind of control over the the parameters. Don't just hit the button, um, or you know hit the button and then do something with the results. Don't just take them whole cloth. There is. Remember a while ago, I had a, a bit of software. I can't remember the name of it now, and I can't find it on my computer. That was for transforming from Mercator into other map projections. Do you remember that? Uh, it was a free... This, f- let's, let's Google it. Free map projection software. This sounds... This sounds familiar. Yeah. I just... the uh, Oh, was it, was, was it G Projector? Does that sound right? Could be. Gamma Projector. Uh, yeah, I think this is it. NASA... Yeah, it was a NASA. Um... G projector. I'll I'll send you the link over Skype there, so you yeah. can put it in the show notes. Um, that was quite fun. A lot of fun with that. I drew up a kind of a Mercator style map, um, which was annoying because I'd actually tried to draw everything in Robinson initially, so I had to kind of eyeball the transformations back to Mercator myself, and then see what it looked like when I transformed it back into Robinson with the software. But it allowed me to do a lot of um things like do get a reasonably accurate polar. Uh, projection various kinds of polar projections which is one of the things that's quite important in in one of my con worlds for various reasons um so that was pretty fun I, i'd recommend having a look at that I, I, adding to this again just more of the like don't be a slave to the software i would recommend looking into map projections uh, and understanding what they are like because again if you have a program that does all this for you you're in danger of yeah. not understanding what's going on and just going oh i'll go with that one because it looks cool but you need to like understand what it's twisting and what it's warping and what is not being shown correctly, yeah. you know? Like, that's really if, important. That's if you're making the assumption that 
maps are relevant and accurate in your in your society and in in your setting. I mean, there's you know I've briefly mentioned before there's a whole thing of critical cartography which examines that and how different maps were historically and you know it if you decide that you've you've got a map and you decide that you want to change something that is implied or is apparent on that map then you can probably get away with it if you're in an historical kind of setting because historically maps were pretty inaccurate yeah by modern standards hopefully so they're hilarious i mean they they were doing the job they were designed to do for those people but Mm. They just had different notions about what they were supposed to do than we do. And, and like, yeah, when we talk about, like, hyper-accurate maps, they, they usually become unusable. Like, there's this one projection uh, that is, uh, it, it always gives you true straight-line distance or something. Um, And you view this map like from inside the globe or something. And it's just, I I might put a link. If I find the link, I'll put it in the show notes. And it's it's great. And it's great that science has done this and can make these projections. But it's effectively useless for any normal person, you know? So, um, Have you seen this new map that's been going around on like a a lot of websites, a new new projection rather. It's been going around a lot of websites recently. Oh, I Um, have. I, I keep seeing it. It's, it's. It's quite nice. It's an infinitely repeating tile, and they just like set, like take out a square or a rectangular bit in the middle that uh, is the whole world. And if you cut that out, you can fold it up a certain way, so you get a little like it's not it's not quite t- a tetrahedron. It's, it's some kind of polygon um, mm. that works like reasonably like a globe or whatever, um, and it's it's quite nice. Um, it's really good as a teaching tool though, because the minute a student begins to fold it back up, they'll go, oh. Russia still looks really odd. Why is that? And then the teacher can go, because you're taking a flat to a sphere and it's not it's not the same, mm. which I think is cool, which I think is really great. And it's also, I think what's really great about it is that, uh, is it Antarctica? Which is the one, yeah. the Antar- Antarctica is showing. The place where the bears aren't. The place where the bears, uh, what? This, this is a the reference. Arctic. We've done this we, before. We talked about this a few episodes ago. The Arctic means the place where the bears are. And... Antarctica. Well, I guess it means opposite the place where the bears are, and there aren't any bears there. But if you change the the precise meaning of the negative part of that construction, you could say it's the place where the bears aren't. Yeah, I like it. I'll dig it. We should do that from going forward. And as I said, there aren't polar bears there, so so it works out. Yeah, beautiful, man. What what was I saying a second ago? You completely not. Now I'm just thinking of bears. Actually, do you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of that shocking bear flag now. Every time someone mentions bears to me, I just think of that flag. Like it, <laughs> it, it haunts me. Um, I think you were saying that it's good because Antarctica isn't massively distorted on it. Yes, yes. It would is, be my guess. It isn't massively distorted. And it's really nice to see it looking all circular sitting there at the bottom when a lot of kids think that Antarctica is a big straight line of ice. And you're like, no, yeah. it's not like that. Um, um, but what annoyed me was a lot of the way that was discussed that map people were like saying oh you know it's a revolutionary new map and it'll change how you see the world and finally we were rid of that shocking old mercator <laughs> honestly I- i'm sick of hearing about how terrible mercator is yeah, no, but, but and the- how it d- distorts because we see it honestly i look at maps a lot and honestly you don't see it that often anymore yeah no but also mercator has a point it has a very valid use yeah it's like Straight lines will be straight lines. Or direct directions. Directions are maintained, I think, is what it is. And this is, I, I believe that's the reason why Google chose it. It's the best mapping, map projection for Google Maps. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it sort of has. Honestly, I think that's the only place I tend to frequently see Mercator. Mm, mm, exactly. Yeah, like was it National Geographic? They use uh, I think it's Robinson or some. I think I think they use Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, something that looks like that. Like yeah, you're. It's just oh, it's pointless. It's made by people. This thing is said by people who don't care about cartography. Who don't know, you know? Who, who aren't who aren't map fans? Who aren't map fans? reporters essentially? Like just, oh, just like, and you know the thing about like the upside down map? No, it's 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 the world map except upside down. Okay. And everyone's like, oh, mind blowing, and then you're just like oh, us in the know, just kind of go projections. Hey Edgar, do you know what? What Bill? We are some nerds. <laughs> we, oh, we really are. Here, listen, when you were talking about, like, uh, in the NASA program about having to eyeball Mercator and, uh, and drag it to something else, I was like, wow, this is the nerdiest thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, th- those are a couple of programs. Do you have any more programs? No, I, th- I think I, that would be it. I'd say Universe Sandbox for, for exploring, making solar systems and stuff, if that's what you want, mm. want to do. Um, there's a lot of uh, stuff out there for making maps, you know, the usual things, Photoshop and GIMP and Inkscape and all that. And then um, this one, the G Projector, which I've uh, sent you the link for. You can link it in the show so, notes. And then we can link all of these in the show notes, I guess. G Plates on uh, my part. And then, yeah, that's that's about all the ones I use. Yeah. Um, but as I said, it depends on what it is you're actually world building for. What is it you're actually, what is the end product here? I hope that's been of some use, Orson. We are uh, we are always of use to people. We that's are true, we yeah. are in fact the best podcast, and there is a link to prove that. You should go check out the review, folks. I mean, I'd I'd trust Ira. I would too. I think Ira did a fantastic job, like very accurate. Um, the okay. So uh, anything else? <laughs> anything else lying in in email that is pertinent and we should talk about? There there are two more emails I want to look at. Okay. Um. One we have here from Frugran Ednugrur. Are you pronouncing that correctly? I assume so. Oh, okay. You're, I, I admire your confidence. <laughs> um, I do suspect that it's a... Uh, oh, yes, it is a made-up name. Yes, they, they say it is a, a pseudonym. Um, that's okay. Just say, first of all, they're saying thank you for making a, a good podcast. That's brilliant. Debatable. Uh, would like to hear a more in-depth discussion on lore and your stances regarding it. Um, I'm not really sure what is meant by that. Uh, feel free to send another email clarifying. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there's, the main thrust here is, what do you think of a world where macrosystems are controlled by crafting the microsystems? What I mean by microsystems are things like individuals' microbiomes. Um. The microbiome of individuals are analysed and crafted in a way to control and regulate their behaviour. Uh, that's a pretty uh, cool concept. Um, I think to actually do that in any systematic, uh, like scientifically plausible and scientifically like referencing way would be a, a enormous undertaking. Uh, hold, hold, um, hold on, can I cut across you here for a second? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> you you and okay can you break this down for me i'm struggling to grasp what's going on well what is it what is it that this email means i think i think this listener is proposing a setting mm. where macro systems so like the things out there in the world are controlled by very small changes to microsystems as in the internal 
environments, the internal biomes of humans. So I guess there. Uh, so there's, the there's some change in your body causes uh, what? Mike, I'll keep reading. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Microbiomes are unique to individuals in our world, and have a huge effect on our health and livelihood. The microbiome is like an ecosystem because of how bacteria interact with each other. So it would be like a fractal ecosystem inside an ecosystem all the way down. So that's that's a cool observation and a cool um, idea for a concept, but I, I'm not really sure where to go with it. It does bring me in mind, they mention um, uh, the idea of that you get kind of a world within a world. There's a cartoon called Osmosis Jones. Do you remember that, Edgar? No, no, this I is think, totally I alien. I think it was around when we were kids. Um, I mean, you're a lot older were, than I am, though. Um, I'm like only like a decade older. Um <laughs> I'm not even going to correct that and let people speculate as to whether or not Bill is being uh, truthful there. Um, oh no, I'm thinking of something else. Okay, this is it was a cartoon from like 2001, a film, a film from 2001, and I think it's like a a white blood cell has to hunt down and destroy a lethal virus that has infected the body, and it's done like a cop film. <laughs> Class. Like the 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 white blood cell is like the rogue cop, and the virus is the bad guy he has to catch. Um, huh. And it, so it's like set inside a, well, it does. I suppose it doesn't have to be a human. It's set in, inside a body of an organism. Um, and the other example is uh, Rick and Morty season one episode three, Anatomy Park, which is a absolutely, uh, absolutely stellar uh, TV series, and that's a, that's a very good episode. Um, I can't I can't recommend Rick and Morty highly enough. It's it's really good. I uh, in Scotland. Uh, we'll talk about this later on, but in Scotland, one of the people at, at TEDx was like, you must watch Rick and Morty. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, yeah, so that's actually on my list of things to do, to watch Rick and Morty, because I've never seen it before. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, this, this okay, so this, this trope of stuff inside stuff inside stuff, mm-hmm. there's a couple of, like... Like this is this is a a classic trope. Like, what's that first sci-fi thing where they like shrink down the little thing, the little like spaceship type thing, and they go all? Sp- I know, I know the one you mean. Um, I'll, I'll Google it. Uh, sci-fi film submarine inside a person. Brilliant. What's it we got? Fantastic voyage. I thought that was what it was called. <laughs> Fantastic voyage. Well done, Google. Google. Google's amazing. Sometimes, like it's just like... and there's a lot of parodies of Fantastic Voyage. Like, in, like to an extent, um, Anatomy Park. The that episode of Rick and Morty is kind of a parody of that. Hmm. It's referenced a lot in Futurama. There's a couple of Futurama episodes, most notably the one with the parasites. Um, there's an episode of Archer which takes it off. It's yeah, no, it's definitely a, a trope. It's definitely a, a reasonably significant trope. Is there an example of something that is set inside another thing, except that it's not as blatantly obvious as like we're literally inside the body of something? I'm trying to think. Like, is there any worlds out there where we think everything's normal and then the veil is pulled away? And we're like, oh, that world was inside this other thing, and I'm not it's- counting Narnia. It's alluded to in the Malazan Book of the Fallen series. It's it's not quite as literal as that, but the 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 goddess of the earth and kind of the, the pantheon they've set up there. It's the the like the physical the ground the physical earth is literally her body, and 
there's a whole thing about the the magic the other kind of realms in in the setting that two of them are the two chambers of another deity's heart and that the rest of them are kind of like blood and stuff so there's this whole corporeal metaphor woven into it oh um, that's but it is it is more metaphorical than a fantastic voyage kind of situation Oh, that's um, interesting. What's the name of this book again? This thing? Uh, the Malazan Book of the Fallen series. Malazan Book of the Fallen. Interesting. That sounds like a really interesting concept. Because, yeah, like I said, I, I can think of a whole load of inside another thing settings, but not mm-hmm. not something that is more literal. No, that's yeah. cool. No, th- that, there's, a, there's a lot more to it than that. It's not it's not just like a body kind of metaphor. There's a lot of stuff. Um, it, 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 it covers a lot of things, the, the, the various symbolisms about the magic in that series. Um... There's a, a really a really interesting one. I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, a short story and later a novel by Greg Bayer called Blood Music. Blood? Oh, cool. Blood Music. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's about a guy who figures out a way to make um, cells into powerful computers. Cool. Uh, to the point where they're actually capable of sentience. Wow, so the cells inside a person become sentient beings. Pretty much, yeah. And it it goes off from there. Um but- and there's without without spoiling too much, there is there is one part of the novel in which you, you it's kind of written from the point of view of a sort of a cellular level intelligence. Cool. That's cool. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I like that. What's the name again? Blood music, Blood music by Greg Bear. Cool. Oh, and as always, all these are in the show notes. Bill, what would you do mm-hmm. if you were a a sentient cell inside someone? Like, if you became sentient, what would be your what would be your response to this? <laughs> so, is this my consciousness is like uploaded into a a cell inside something? No, more like you are a cell, right? Okay, and you just begin to become conscious much in the same way that a, like eventually a baby begins to understand its surroundings okay on a greater than just a sensory sensory level like you you are a white blood cell but like you are given the ability to objectively view your surroundings what what what, okay. what goes through your head what do you do are you sort of like oh this is interesting i'll stay where i am are you kind of like i'm inside something we must get out no why would i want to get out well I mean, that's that's a bit of a deep question because, like, technically, that's what drives an awful lot of human, uh, like, uh, progress. It's like our need to just discover what's beyond the hill. What to escape from the universe? No, well, okay, no, no you can't because <laughs> effectively that's what you'd be doing. You can't escape from the universe, but like, there has been like we need to escape from Earth. Like, escape is an emotive word, but we need to leave Earth and see what's beyond that. And maybe when we, if we become like a multi-stellar civilization, it'll be a thing where like, well, let's get beyond the galaxy and then beyond this. There's always a push to move beyond. So my, th- if I was a cell, I'd be like, and I've figured out that where I am, I'd be like, we're getting the hell out of here. We're going to try and see what's over over the hill, like. Yeah, but like not everyone on Earth is a rocket scientist. Like some people are teachers and plumbers and <laughs> so would butchers. you would you be a plumber cell and just be like I'd probably be I'd probably be something like whatever a musician is, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'd become a badass cop who hunts down viruses. Yeah, yeah, that's that's this is true. This is very true. That'd be pretty cool. 
I think that's an interesting question, though. If you gain sentience and you are... No, actually, wait, no, hold on. If you gain sentience, you'd have no way of knowing you were inside a body. Well, yeah, there's that whole... Yeah, that, yeah. Effectively, this question is like, what's it like to be sentient? And that's kind of like what we're experiencing right now. Like, we could be in a body right now. We don't know it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm like, well, that was a terrible question. <laughs> I didn't want to say. <laughs> no, no, it's a good question, though. It is a good question. I just got the image of like, just like a white blood cell with your face on it. Be like, what happens next? A beardy, a handsome bearded white blood cell. Oh, here, I have a completely unrelated question. Um, I would like people who have not seen what we look like, and I think this applies to Bill uh, more than anything else, to let us know what they think we look like. Because I think <laughs> okay. this, this is one of the most fascinating things about radio is like everyone has their own mental image of what the presenters look like. And I don't. What? What? Really? I don't. What? What? I don't. I like when I listen to the radio. I don't picture the presenters unless I know what they look like. I don't really picture. Them. So what goes on in your head? Like voices. Oh, so. Hmm. I find it very hard to think of it. Like, is there not a person speaking the sounds at you inside your head? No, they're speaking from the radio. <laughs> they're speaking from. So um, that's really weird, man. I find I find that even a little bit disconcerting. <laughs> Do, do you know you don't mentally map people? No, I don't. I don't. I don't picture characters when I read books. Okay, okay, we're going to get into this, but this has been covered on Hello Internet, so it won't it won't we won't do this for very long, people? Right? Do you know what sub vocalization is, Bill? I think so. So this is the idea that when you read a thing, there is a, a narrator narrating you the story in your head. Yeah, no, I don't do that. You don't do that. You see, look, that, see, this is the thing. I do that, and I don't understand people who can read any other way. In the same way, I don't understand how you could not see someone when listening to the radio. Like, and it's, and, and it's fundamentally unknowable. It is unknowable for me to know how you manage to do a thing. And I'm assuming this, it's, it's uh, the feeling, feeling is mutual. Um, but, like, I mean, there's people who, who don't... Um who have like no visual imagination whatsoever or have no visual memory. Like they can't, they cannot remember what people's faces look like. Oh, stuff like that. I get an awful lot of that. I get uh, like a ton of that. Like I think about people who I knew say in school and when I picture them in my head, I I picture their general form. Like I have things like height kind of sussed. I have color of hair, what sort of clothing say they appeared the most in. But then when I hone in on their face, it's very much like a blank beige uh just like smear yeah I, i'm not great at it yeah i'm not great at it um i'm sure i've asked you this before um we were talking about this the, the other night here actually um imagine a tiger i am okay like a picture of a tiger i am yes can you count its stripes C- uh like yeah how many stripes does the tiger have oh okay the one i'm picturing right now uh yeah Uh, there's an awful lot on that tail, like more than I can count, man. <laughs> there's like, there's okay. like four or five on its back, another three or four on each leg, and then the tail has an awful lot of stripes that f- uh, filter down into a black point. Right. Have I proved? I cannot do that. You cannot do that. 
Nope. So hold on. So when you see the tiger, the tiger is a tiger colored smear in your head. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I kind of, I assemble the facts and I hold all the facts together, but I don't pin them down into a single form that I can examine. Is this not kind of like a collapsing the waveform sort of thing, whereby when you're forced to focus on the thing, the thing becomes a reality? So like, is it, why is it that it's a big tiger-shaped smudge and then when someone says, counted stripes, your brain doesn't just go, okay, and now we make stripes. That's really odd that it doesn't do that. Because I don't, I don't hold an actual image that I'm examining. I'm just holding the facts of of what tigers look like. Okay, so this is the thing where I can't, I can't uh, empathize with you. I suppose is the word. Like I just, I can't imagine an existence where you're not holding an image. So you, you basically, you've got all of the the mental talents in this episode, and I don't have any of them. Um. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's not every day Edgar comes out on top here. This is awesome. <laughs> Anyhow, oh my god, digression central. What were we talking about? Uh, we're talking about... Uh, well, we have one last email to look at. Yeah, I'm not, hold on, before I move on, I'm not entirely sure we have... Uh, I'm not sure we've actually helped out the, the, the writer of this email. Uh, we read out his email, and then we talked a little bit, and then we went off on a tangent. Um, I, I'm sorry. Well, two the, down, two the, the question was, what do you think? And I think that it's pretty cool. And it's a really compelling concept, um, but to actually do it in a way that where you're trying to be faithful to science is an enormous undertaking, um, and to try and do it in any other way, it is no different from any other kind of science fiction or world building. So it really it brings us back to the kind of thing we, we've said before that like. Star Trek could just as easily be set in an ocean than in space. Well, on the ocean, I mean, really. I'm sorry, Bill. Please yes. don't hate me. Yes. Well, I mean, you could have it on. Un- you could have it underwater. I mean, Sequest DSV was a great TV show. Okay. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. So it, yeah, it suppose depends on like what what do you what do you mean by that? If it's an actual you know hard science proposition, then that's a huge undertaking and I would be really interested to see someone do that and if it's not hard science then yeah that sounds like a cool setting and I would dig that okay okay cool cool so Bill Bill, uh, dear listener Bill was on it I was not um <laughs> what's in our next email Bill um and the final point uh here is from Edward T who was asking a question about um, scale. Uh, like, how do you put a city map into the context of a larger area and get the, get the scale right? Um, basically, how, how, I don't know how I can embed the city into the map without it being hilariously out of scale, where it's either far too big or only a pin in the map. Do you have any tips or tricks when it comes to implementing cities into a map? Um, just look at the real world. I mean, uh, uh, sorry, sorry. Before we get into a bit, I'm gonna have to cut across you here. We totally glanced over the fact that this person was called Edward T, and like, surely we have to say that this person is called Mr. T. Like, we have to refer to them from now on as Mr. T. I will not. I will not stop you from doing so. Yeah, I think the thing is just you know look at examples of the kind of thing you're doing in real life. I mean, is it a you know, what kind of city is it? Is it a city of a million people? You know, 
look at Dublin, see what size Dublin is in the context of the greater area. Look at its scale, look at how big it is. Um, is it a million people, but it's a lot more high-rise than Dublin? Then find a city that looks like that and see how it fits in. Is it a medieval city of 6,000 people? You know, look at a look at medieval maps. There's millions of them out there and see what kind of scale they take up. But also, hold on, it also depends on your frame of reference. Like, if you zoom out far enough, any city is but a pin on a map. Well, yeah, totally. Yeah, so I suppose then the thing to... Uh, do would be to research various cities and make note of the scale that they're in like that's important because like i mean like if you zoom in on new york it seems like it might take up 90 percent of the map that doesn't mean that 90 percent of your map should be a city do you know oh yeah of course yeah I, I don't know if that's entirely obvious well it is entirely obvious but i think it's a point to be to be uh to be pointed out in a way um, yeah, I mean, just, just be aware of what scale you're doing it in, and be aware of the the measurements if this is what you're going for. I suppose, like, oh. how big is the city from end to end, and how big is your map, and what's the scale there, and just follow the maths. I have a question, Bill, uh, that I don't know the answer to. Uh, hopefully, you do. How big can cities get? Because you know the way we have the trope of uh, the planet-wide city. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that's not really feasible. Mm. It seems too cumbersome. It seems like it would lack definition after a while. Like one end of the planet being technically in the same area as the other end of the planet. That seems like they would just break off and have their own city. Um, but I mean, I I think in those kind of situations, it's it's more like this planet is entirely covered with civilization. The way I mean, you know, you've got. I, you know, you mentioned New York. New York has five boroughs. It's not a single civic body governing all of them. Right, okay. Oh, okay, so it's, you know? it's just literally... So, so I guess in something like Corscoant, um, or Coruscant... Cor- Coruscant. Coruscant. I can never get that right. It's it's like, you know, the, the city is Coruscant, but the planet is also Coruscant. And then, you know, you've got... Well, this continent will have uh, its bit of governance, and it'll right. be a separate district from... Okay, yeah. so well, that makes this concept of a planet-wide city more more believable, but I'm still having issues with, like, just the total, like, steamrolling of resources. Like, sh- Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's like a, a vastly resource-heavy proposition, and it does seem pretty unlikely from that point of view. Heat pollution would be the other one. Yes, heat pollution would be a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and then how do you, how do you feed it? You know, the infrastructure would be would be massive. Um, yeah, yeah, because, like, historically, the whole shtick with cities is that, like, you have agriculture and then you have surplus and then the cities arise. Yeah. And then it's like, well, if everything's a city, where does the surplus of, like, commodities come from? And, it's, and then I suppose you, well, you could just go space. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Or they've got, like, badass hydroponic farms within the city. That's true. That's true. I think, though, as well, I think people, I don't know, I don't think, people would ever let it get to that stage. I think uh, when you are advancing so much, I think there'd be heavy pushback from people who value environment, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think any human would be okay with the idea of having an entire city cover the entire globe. Like, some people are going to be like, let's let's keep Africa just, just like the way it is. It's okay. Or let's keep let's keep South America just the way it is. It's nice. It's great. Or Australia. Or Australia. Well, maybe not Australia. <laughs> no, I joke. Sorry, Australians. <laughs> um but you know what i mean like there i think people i don't think we'd let it get that way but then again i mean 
I suppose if I was saying this three or 400 years ago, people would say they'll never let a city span an entire, say, I don't know, area of coastline. But then you look at like mega cities, you know, yeah. so it's like, it's all, it's all Boston to Atlanta. Yeah. Can you go Boston to Atlanta, Atlanta in one big foul swoop? Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure there's like a sprawl. Well, actually, no, no, hardly to Atlanta. Definitely Boston to a good bit south of DC. Yeah. Atlanta, Atlanta's another good bit further down than that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, but there is that... I was, thinking, I was thinking of a work of fiction when I said Boston to Atlanta. Oh, what's the work um, of fiction? Uh, Neuromancer. You've mentioned this before. Mm, this sounds familiar. Yeah. Can't remember. Is that on the podcast? I don't know. I'll throw it in the show notes. It's, yeah, the Northeast Megalopolis, it's called. Um, it's the most heavily urbanized region of the United States, running northeast to southwest from the northern suburbs of Boston to the southern suburbs of DC. I thought it went a little, a little further south than that. So it goes from, like, Massachusetts to northern Virginia. Yeah. And- it contains Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Washington, DC. And I would guess... Uh, surely there's other places in the- well, Delaware isn't that heavily urbanized. Uh, yeah, and lo- loads of cities, lo- loads of the smaller cities in between. And I think I think people who don't live in, uh, like, uh, uh, people who live in Ireland, for example, I don't think we have the correct sense of scale then as well. I, like, it's very hard for me to imagine something that actually does that because we don't have oh, yeah, huge totally. cities. And totally. then I think vice versa, if you have someone who's living in a big urban sprawl, the, uh, the concept that a city can be this relatively small, isolated thing is also pretty weird, I think. Um, yeah. So it's an interesting topic. I don't have, I feel like there is numbers to be gleaned here. Like there's numbers to talk about, like how big numerically things can get, but I don't, I don't have them. It, re- it would require research. Um, and it would require knowing what, uh, what Edward wants. I mean, but again, look, look at, look at the population statistics of Paris in 1500 and see what that was like. Yep. Totally, totally with you. I, I bet you that will the act of doing that will lead into many other creative things as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mr. T was <laughs> Mr. T was our final email. Yeah, that is all of the emails taken care Class. of. Class, it is one hour and ten minutes in, sir, and we have and I have to, I have to be done by like nine. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, will we? Uh... Do you want to crack on to this? Is going to be a follow up show. That's just we just need to be happy with that. Like oh, okay. that's just going to be a thing that's going to happen. Shall we move on to uh, music corner? Music corner. This is this this. I am I am so so looking forward to music corner. Even though I've like okay. I've literally this whole month I've been like, come on podcast, come on, we need to get to music corner. So last month uh, we were given the task of listening to Elvati. Uh, and their album Slania. Mm-hmm. And what we all learned last month was that it, this was a folk, folk metal album and Bill doesn't like folk metal. So I can't wait to hear what Bill thinks about this album. <laughs> so without further ado, go, tell us, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was... Like it wasn't terrible. It was just I didn't enjoy it. You didn't enjoy it. No. Okay. Do you, can you can you tell me why? Can just some pointers because I don't understand why you didn't enjoy it. I I don't like folk metal. First of all, this wasn't as as bad as I had expected. Now a lot of my experience with folk metal has been say stuff like Corporate Clanny, which is literally that they play 
like folk tunes fast on the sort of guitars and have a flute or bagpipe or something going over it and it's it's literally that okay um this was kind of more like straight melodeath it was just melodic death metal that had like folky bits over it but i I just think they're the two tombrel worlds don't mix at all i think it's it's a really it's a really uh uninteresting mixture for me okay that's I, d- I don't I don't like it um and also I feel like there's a little bit of a false idea of the what 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 folk is or making a very kind of false connection from like the folk music and using the folk instruments of the 19th and 20th and 21st centuries and saying that it's anything at all to do with your Celtic heritage because the Celts in a thousand BC didn't have fiddles and like modern bagpipes and barons. They had stuff that was kind of like that, but it's it's not really the same, and it's it just feels kind of cheap and dishonest to me to try and pass off them as being the same. So hang on, so is it that folk metal is saying that we are playing the music of the Celts? It's no, it's it's not that it's directly saying that, but it's kind of alluding to that, and I don't think it's cognizant enough of the sense of falsehood there, because obviously you're not going to be able to play the direct music of the Celts, because we don't we don't have we don't know how Celtic string instruments worked. Mm. We don't there's you know we don't really have instruments with some very few exceptions from that era, um, but it's just like it, there's I don't know it's I feel like it's kind of cynical or something. It's just I I I'm I'm not. I'm not on board with it. Okay. That that's interesting. Do you want to ask me what I thought about the album? Uh what did you think of the album, Edgar? I thought this was incredible. <laughs> like and I and I'm not saying this to be all like, you know, to just have the counter view from Bill and then tease Bill about it. Like yeah. I like legitimately, I have not listened to the, uh, any album more than this one that has been recommended on the podcast. Like this was this was like musical crack. It's just like when it finished, you start it again and listen again. It is, it was just beautiful, like, and like where you're like the other folk doesn't mix. I just thought it was just gorgeous juxtaposition. Like you'd have these metal guitars going and they kind of like they're grinding sort of thing. And then you have the wonderful smoothness of flutes and piped instruments on top of it. And at no point did it ever feel contrived or conflicting. They just gelled so well together. Like some of the instruments just sounded like guitars with different effects on them like it i had to remind myself i was listening to acoustic instruments it just slotted so well and the tunes were so catchy and it was just it was just the best like it was just it's literally amazing and then that's before all the other stuff about like they write in like they do um research to figure out what certain languages were and they sing in those languages. Like, I didn't even care about all that stuff, although it is cool. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm impressed by that on an intellectual. Yeah, level. like, that's the same way. I was like, that's really, really good intellectually. But, God, the st- tunes were just crafted so well. Oh, like, like, like. You see, I, I'm just, I'm not, I, I'm not interested in that juxtaposition. It's really, okay, first of all, I don't think it works for me aesthetically. It's, 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 it's not a, a, a tumble thing I enjoy. Um, and second of all, it's, uh, as I said, it feels kind of cheap. Um, I, sorry, can I, and it, it, it only like you have it once and that's fine. But like the entire 
album is based on in, enjoying that juxtaposition. And when I don't, then, you know, once I've heard one track, I've kind of gotten a lot of what they're saying. Right. Yeah, and I'm not saying like, oh, Bill, you must now understand why this is great. Like, I fully get why oh, no, you don't no, like no, it. No, totally, I know you're not. Um, but I, I, I see... I, I'm exactly the opposite. Like, uh, where you say cheap, I say rich. Like, I think it adds a depth to... No, no, I, I, I'm not using cheap in that way. I mean that it's it's a, it's a very easy thing to do. It's, a, it's, like, a, it's like a cheap trick in my yeah. book. It's like, we'll mix these two things together and that's, that's it done. We can go for a pint. Like, it's just, this is the one idea that drives the whole thing. Whether it's sonically rich or something is a different discussion. Okay, so I mean rich in in the exact opposite way of you mean cheap. The exact, like, you outlined yeah. out there. I know, I don't mean it as in, like, sonically rich as well. I think, like, it's a a well-thought-out decision. It adds it adds so much more to the music. Not necessarily sonic. Like, I think, it, I think it's directly the opposite of a cheap trick. Now, maybe, really? maybe, maybe other folk metal is like this. But this just this just grounds it so beautifully, like so. And maybe it's because I haven't heard folk metal and I haven't heard this before that it's something so incredibly new. But like it just it just works so well and it's it's so grounded and it's so like it seems like it comes from a place. Like I think this was Lupier's suggestion, if I if I'm not mistaken, and he talked. Uh, I suspect. Yeah, so. <laughs> he talked before in the in the Reddit like many many months ago about how uh, listening to metal transports him to like different worlds and it informs his his world building. This is I didn't understand what he meant by that, but I understand now. It's kind of like you you get transported to this faraway place where where this metal is coming out of a folk thing, and it's just it's just great. Like I. I I disagree strongly with you. I think it's directly the opposite of a cheap trick. In the case hmm. of Eluvite or whatever we're called, um, they should do. With a, they should need to get a better name. That that name is not. That's not great. It's <laughs> it's like you need if you want if you want like good marketing, you should get a name that rolls off the tongue so everyone can remember. It means the Swiss. Yeah, you see, no, just change your name there. Like that is it that important that it needs to be called? They need to be called the Swiss. Yes. Really? And there's no other name. I think- I think they're from Switzerland. I, I think they should pick a new name. I think they'll be fine if they picked a new name. But oh, it's just, yeah. That weakens the brand. <laughs> Look at you being corporate marketing. But yeah, yeah man, like, oh, and Inish Mona, just for, for listeners, if they haven't listened to this album, they're like, oh, I wonder what Edgar's talking about. And they don't want to listen to the whole thing. Just Inish Mona is a, it's just, it's just a whopping tune. It's which track was that now? Which oh, which track? That? Number three. I'll see what I wrote about this. Eurovision. <laughs> I thought it sounded like it, like the the, it, the opening sounded like it was a Eurovision track. What? Ah, like, uh, Bill, that's not that's like very not hard. a song performed for the contest, but you know the bits in between where like there there's a video about the country. That's what the start of it sounded like to me. Okay. I can kind of see where you're coming from if you're going to be really cynical about it. And don't forget, there's a lot I like about the Eurovision, but there is an awful lot of rubbish. There, there is, there is very little I like about the Eurovision. Like the only thing I like about the Eurovision is that it has, it is a vehicle for social commentary. Like musically, I like that Justin Timberlake performed that this year. Is that a joke? Mm. Uh, did Justin? What part of that seems like a joke? Well. 
Justin Timberlake is not from Europe and he's no he didn't like he didn't compete oh he was at oh he okay he was like the the uh, the halftime show yeah he was one of those kind of things yeah really yeah huh he seems a way too big time to be doing that to be honest it was my favorite song of the whole night of, Justin Timberlake of the whole, of the whole event yeah <laughs> cuz i i really like Justin Timberlake i really like Justin Timberlake too yes um, the, I, we can agree on that that point. Um, but yeah, the Eurovision overall, just like no, oh, just it bores the living daylights out of me, and it's it's too it's too OTT and it's too too showy, and it's just not interesting at all. Yeah. And the politics behind it is sad and boring. It's like every year the same. Oh, I love that. The, the <laughs> si- all of the the block voting and stuff. I think it's great. Oh, <laughs> uh, should we clarify this for American listeners or non Europe? No. no, we should just keep going. No, just, just leave, leave it. it. Okay. Um, I think it's been quite big in in the states in the past couple of years. In the last two years, it's gotten a lot of viewership. So um, okay, okay. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of our uh, American viewers or listeners, at least, will know what we mean. And um, uh, if if there's anyone out there who doesn't know what we mean, don't Google it. <laughs> Send us an email with what you think we're talking about, and then Google it and see how accurate you are. Yes, that is a great <laughs> idea. But yeah, no, but like the the block voting, just it's just it's so boring. But it's like, and it'd be fine if the blocks shifted, and you're like, oh, what are the allegiances this year? But it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like it's just oh, I... Estonian Greece are feuding for a change. Yeah, but whatever. it's like, oh, here we go. All the Baltic nations are gonna just like help each other out here. It's like, oh, it's good, great, and oh, yeah, no, it's just, and it goes on for way too long. It's just like hours. And hours of terrible pop music, and it's just like, no, I'm done. I'm out. I will. Will I read out the positive things I wrote down about Slanya? <laughs> yes, go for it. Okay, for track two, uh, "Primordial Breath," the first kind of proper song. Mm. Um, I enjoyed the reversed vocals effect at the start, and it was pretty competent melodic death metal. <laughs> okay. Um, I liked the name of number four. What was number track number four called? It was Grey Sublime Archon. That was a pretty cool name. Um, the opening of track six was all right. Bloodstained Ground. That was pretty good. But it, there was a spoken bit in it that I didn't like. Um, oh yeah, we we talked about the 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 downfalls of spoken bits. Ten had a good riff at the start, and there's a really good guitar solo in track twelve. In Elmvios, yes, I remember that. Oh no, Elmvios. That. that was a really good. That was a really good guitar solo. And there, oh, there was a bit earlier in the song where they kind of stripped back, and it was just like percussion and stuff. That was pretty cool. Um, and those were the things I enjoyed. In that okay, album, you so, in that hour of listening. So, but you, so you gave it a fair pop. I, I congrats. I know how hard it is to like sit through a thing that you really don't enjoy. I think it's cool. That you- and and as, as I said, it was better than I expected. It was less of the the thing I like the kind of folk metal i really hate it wasn't as much of that as i expected um and there was electro bits that i really didn't like in it as well those bits where they had, were like had loads of like electronic effects over stuff that i thought didn't like that's adding a third t- thing to this mix this like stew i already don't particularly like <laughs> so you had mentioned last time about them mixing uh electro stuff and i was wary of that um going into it and i listened all the way through the album and was like Where's the electro stuff? And then I listened again and was like, "Oh yeah, there it is. Ah, that works really well. Good, well done." <laughs> so I'm really sorry. We're just polar opposite of this, which is hilarious. Like literally everything that you think is bad, I'm like, "No, that was that was the good point." It's just that's I think it's really funny. 
Here, will we choose? Will we choose next month's uh, victim? Oh, well, next month's victim. Well, actually, before we do that, we should make everyone aware uh, that there is a new method of of uh, dropping songs into the random generator, and that is via a Google form, which will be linked in the show notes of every podcast from now on. Good, good which stuff. makes life just so much easier and. Whatever redditor uh, mentioned this to me that you should use a Google form um, is equal parts a genius and just doctor obvious. <laughs> like, like why I didn't think of this sooner is beyond me. And frankly, I'm a bit ashamed that I was, it took me this long. But in any case, uh, if you want to leave your suggestions below the show, in the show notes, just click the link and then just leave artist and album and you will be entered into the random generator. Yeah? Cool. Okay. So, uh, I am currently random generating. Do you want to say stop there, Bill? Stop. Will I stop, and, will I stop recording? No. <laughs> Did you stop recording? No. No, no. I, was, I, I am doing the random generator. I wanted you to say stop. Okay. And you did. And now we have a song. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so we have... Uh, sorry, this is too big to fit on the screen. Uh, we have the Night Watchman, or the Night Watchman, which is Tom Morello. Yeah, it's Tom Morello. Huh, and One Man Revolution. So hold on, The Night Watchman is the band in quotes and One Man Revolution, yeah? Okay. Huh, awesome. I love Tom Morello. Yeah, Tom Morello's great. Oh, this could be a good month for both of us. <laughs> okay. Do you know who his teacher was for a while? Um, uh, hold on. Um, Mr. Miyagi. Hey, Griff, you're not going to take this seriously. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bill. Who was his teacher? Michelangelo Batio. Oh, that guy. Hmm. That guy, that yeah. That guy. Don't like that guy. And he taught Tom... Like, they're, like, they're so complete opposite as guitar players. For, for, for anyone who doesn't know, Michelangelo Batio was in a glam metal band called Nitro, I think. That says it all. Um, uh, yeah, um, there's... Like, there's not a lot of music that I outright hate. Um... Uh, glam metal comes close. <laughs> I I strongly dislike glam metal, nearly always. Um, uh, but he was famous because he had a four necked guitar, and like the whole thing was he would play like really fast double handed tapping, and he would like keep switching necks and playing up, and it was just like really tasteless. It was technically impressive, but there was absolutely no music in it. Um, whereas Tom Morello. He wouldn't be a shredder. Like, he wouldn't be, like, a super fast, no, shreddy all, guitar player. He's, but he's just incredibly musical. Yeah, and he's so creative, like... And he's really, really inventive. Yeah. Like, he gets he gets really interesting sounds. And, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of it's done with pedals and stuff. But that is part of modern rock guitar playing. Yeah, um, he, there's X amount of tools, but he used those tools in a uh, previously un, unused way. Like Yeah, he, he uses them in an interesting way. Um, now, apparently, I've talked, I've talked about this with... Um, uh, people like when I went to like metal conferences and stuff, and apparently some other of Michelangelo Badio's stuff is actually really good, um, and a lot more tasteful and a lot more musical in his guitar playing. Um, and he, like he is undeniably like technically very very proficient. So I guess I should give him a chance and, and listen to some of his non nitro stuff and see see how I feel about it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just I always, I've always been ever since I found that out, I thought that was a really bizarre mixture. Him teaching Tom Morello. Yeah, and he also, I think Morello Morello worked as a political secretary for ages as well. Like he worked a like real boring office job for some politician, 
He's just a really interesting. Really? Yeah, he's, uh, I could be. That could be apocryphal. I, I don't know. That's what's in my head. Um, well, he's super. He's certainly a super, um, super political guy. Yeah, my feeling is that he he had a yearning to do politics, uh, and then yeah. it, 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 like he he had his his like activist organization with which I think Serge Tankian might have been involved in. Is that is that the thing you're talking no, about? No, no. Like, I remember reading something in a guitar magazine somewhere about like what they did before they were famous, and and his oh, okay. his job that he was a secretary, and he was essentially just a like uh, pencil pusher. Is that the word? Where he just like signed stuff and passed stuff on to the person he was secretarying for, which is crazy, given that he is the sort of guy that was out there with his guitar causing a ruckus, you know, in a good way. Um, yeah. So hmm. I look forward to this album. This is my my initial thoughts is twelve out of twelve. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I've got an open mind as always. Like, I've, I've no problem saying that this Morello stuff is going to be rubbish if it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but thus, thus, music corner is brought to a close. That's the end of music corner. You did something very exciting recently. I always do something really exciting, Bill. That's true. E- That's true. Every day, <laughs> listeners, listeners who were who were left with an ambiguous statement to unpack earlier, bear that in mind. Um, tell us what the exciting thing you're up to was. Wait, hang on. What? Tell us what the exciting thing you're no, up no, to. No, was. not that bit. The ambiguous statement bit for later. Tell on. us what the exciting <laughs> thing you were up to was. Okay, I went and did a TEDx talk. So the we talked about it last time about me doing this. I have. Yeah. I have since given the TEDx talk. And how, how did it go? I remember none of it. So that means <laughs> so that means it went really well. You know the thing where like if you're if you get on stage and do anything, if you don't remember it and you all you can remember is time going by really quickly, you know it's gone okay. Um like I don't remember making any mistakes and I don't remember feeling awkward or anything. So so I suppose that was a good thing. Yeah. Uh I guess, yeah. And people like laughed at parts in a good way. So I think that was... The bits they were meant to laugh at. Yeah. So I think it went okay. Uh, And there wasn't too many confused faces looking at me going, the hell is going on here? (laughs) So yeah, it was good. No, it was good. It was really, really good. Um, I watched it. Did you watch the live stream? Yeah. I watched the live stream. In my my nervous state, I uh, totally forgot to link everyone to the live stream. Um... (laughs) I was wondering whether I, I should like put it up on the sub, and then I figured you hadn't, so I was like, oh, maybe I'd better not in case he doesn't doesn't want it up. Oh, um, that's really nice, Bill. But in future, like you also have executive powers here, like. Okay, but I don't want my executive powers to override your executive powers. Okay. All right. Well, anyhow, but uh, yeah, it Maybe's. wasn't. It, <laughs> it wasn't because I was uh, didn't want it to go up. I just legitimately forgot. I was too busy like rehearsing and freaking out and things like that. Yeah. And then only afterwards did I go, "Crap! I should have linked this." So I'm really sorry, Artifexia. There will be there will be videos, obviously. Yeah. Um, and in fairness, I only thought of this about like an hour beforehand, so not that many people would have seen it anyway. But yeah, that's true. Well, what what did you, what did it look like from your end? Um, it, I couldn't see the screen. I couldn't see the actual mm. presentation. It was like a, a, a webcam down on, say, to the audience's left at the front. Mm-hmm. So I could see you mm-hmm. and I could see um, like the the stage and stuff, but I couldn't actually see your animations. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought you did a great job. And I, 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 unfortunately, I couldn't hang around towards the rest of it because I was 
almost late for work anyway. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Um, I got there just on time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought I thought you presented very well. Yeah, that's the feedback I got from people, which is kind of mind blowing. Because usually when you do a thing for the first time, it's always a bit of a train wreck. But apparently, people were like, "Yeah, that was that was good." Like, um, so I was so there you go. Preparation really helps. <laughs> can Can you summarize your your presentation first? Oh yeah, I can talk about this now. I totally forgot that. <laughs> I totally. For- I can talk about the talk. <laughs> yeah. So what I well mm, should I talk about the talk or should I? I'll tell you what, here there be spoilers, okay? Okay. And if we decide for this episode, we're going to keep it at the M4A format because we haven't received feedback. So there'll be a thing here to skip forward to the next section. So Mm. if you are a person who just wants to wait until the actual TEDx video comes out, you don't need to. In fact, you're not even going to be listening to my voice right now. All right. So what uh, what the talk was about was I am... I start, I, I, I world built a planet and then mm. two stars, like kind of in quotes live on stage. And then the reveal is that the entire time I was reconstructing or reverse engineering uh, the Tatooine system. And the whole point was that I wanted to show people what I do and why I do it, how it can be an educational tool and it can be fun and that, that sort of thing. I think, that is that a fair assessment of what I talked about? And how, how this whole mathematical side of things can be relevant to the storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Like what the numbers can, and, and long-time viewers of Artifexian know this, like the numbers tell stories and I yeah. try to convey that to, to other people. Uh, what was a really cool thing, well, the second speaker who got up was a one of those rare brilliant speakers who can just speak ad lib like they just have a mm-hmm. few slides and they just talk um yeah. her her stick like kanye west isn't that right edgar oh that that lecture oh god oh my god it's just a war oh sorry i'm just gonna can i just complain a little bit about that just just really really quickly the the context here is there's a famous video or not a famous video there's a video of kanye west addressing the oxford union infamous is the word we're looking for i think yeah. where <laughs> yeah. he says he'll take questions and he answer, he, he takes one question at the start and then talks for like 80 minutes yeah yeah and, the, and that on and, nothing in particular yeah and, the, and all of that is absolutely fine but like he well actually no it's not but the thing the thing he does is he he was like uh he asked for a question the student gave the question and then he just made up words that had no, it had no relation to the question. Like he said something to the effect of, okay, what I got from that was X, Y, and Z. And like no one in their right mind would have got X, Y, and Z from the question the student asked. So essentially what he did was he was like, I'm going to talk about X, Y, and Z regardless. And he shows up and talks. And you're like, why, why are you even here? What is the purpose of you doing this? What have we learned? Nothing. And I wasted, like this is in my, I want to figure out why Bill likes Kanye West stage. And I wasted so much of my time. And I was like, you know what? Screw you, Kanye West. I don't have that time back. It's just the, the man... It's the man infuriates me to no end. Like, sorry, I'm sorry. I'll stop now. Hi, how are you, Bill? Are you okay? I'm fine. How are you, Edgar? I am uh, good. (laughs) Anyway, Um, what was I talking about? What was the second speaker talking about? Yeah, so she was talking about how we should we should rethink the school system to uh, maybe get in line with the way it's done in Finland where it's oh yeah 
Yeah, where it's like the emphasis isn't on rote memory and subject knowledge. The emphasis is on developing skills. So yeah, for those who don't know, uh, a thing could be like a kid could show up in the classroom and be like, I really like gardening, say. And then the teacher would be like, okay, I can take this love that the kid has and let's see, can we incorporate economics into it by doing like, how much does this plant cost? Could we have an entire garden of this plant? You see what I mean? So they bring in different subject areas into this without it necessarily being like a maths or economics class, which I think is is great uh, in theory at least. And I I have a feeling though, if I think about it too much, it might fall down. But in in any case. um, It seems to work for Finland. Yeah, but Scandinavia is a law unto itself like. It, it just everything great and glorious works there and it, yeah. there seems to be no downsides. But in any case, um, the really cool thing was this speaker, he used my talk, like she ad-libbed this, she used my talk as a, uh, like a case study for why this works. And I was like, this is brilliant what you've done there. She was like, so like that's indicative of this like new trendy education system. You take a thing a person loves, like world building, and you make that into a fully fledged educational system. I was like, yes, yes, this is exactly what I've been preaching. Validation. Yes. Validation. <laughs> and I was sitting in the front row and I was like, I swear to God, I could have got up and hugged her. Like I was like, yes, I love you so much, second speaker. And then she left early and I couldn't get a chance to, con- to thank her um, for, for just for doing that. And I probably, it's probably not even a big deal for her uh, or anything but it, it meant a lot to me it's kind of like do you know what i'm not a crazy guy who just bangs on about numbers all day long like uh, what i what i do is actually okay uh yeah. which is just which is amazing so that was one of the standout things that second speaker she was she was brilliant cool and uh, is there anything uh, there was a thing i want to tell you about yes oh yeah there was a band bill i thought you'd be interested in this oh yeah so the last speaker uh, was a musician and talked about the power of music and things like that. And he was dressed in like uh, tartan, like lots of traditional tartan, like a kilt. And then it looked a bit like Braveheart, that sort of vibe. And it was like, why is he dressed like that? The entire way through the talk, it's like, okay, he's talking about general music. Why is he dressed like that? And it turned out at the end, he was a member of like kind of, I suppose a folk group would be the best mm-hmm. way of doing it, uh, of saying it. And they all came out at the end and they played like real, real awesome, like hardcore bagpipe and drum music. And I dislike the bag. I dislike the bagpipes with an unending passion, right? But this, really? oh, I hate them, man. It's just, they sound like cats in like the bag. Like all bagpipes or just like the Scottish Highland pipes? Uh, our bagpipes, the Illum pipes are better. Yeah, Illum pipes are class. They're better <laughs> that's like a long-term goal for me is to, is to have is to have a pipes and, and know how to play them i'll link this in the show notes for people who don't because i'm assuming everyone is not going to know what an illum pipe is um, I'm, I'm sure most won't you what i'm sure most won't yeah so we'll link in the show notes for people to check it out but anyway i i just like bagpipes but this was class like uh just just the pipes and these big drums and like proper it was like war music it was awesome so cool um and i was like i thought of that i was like this is really metal in the sort of like, you know, that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Bill would love this if he was here. So I taught you, Bill. Um, yeah, I, I saw a photo of something about music. It was like psychedelia and evolution and music or something. Was that yeah, topic? And the, 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 yeah, oh, I can't remember what the topic was. That was this guy. 
That, that was that guy, yeah. Hey, what was yeah. his tagline? Survival of the funkiest. That was it. That was it. Survival which, of the funkiest. Which I was like, that is a, that is a cool tagline. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so overall, it went really well. I just want to say thanks to all the TED people. I don't know if they're listening, but they were all class. Um, and the fact that they're all students is kind of mind-blowing. Like, they're doing all of their studies... And at the same time, they're organizing this big event and pulling in people from all around the world and, like, ha- having to deal with all the minutiae that event entails. So, like, like cage- mm. catering and all the logistics and payments. And, like, the team wasn't that big. Like, it was a rel- yeah. relatively small team. Like, they were awesome, awesome folks. Um, so, they were all- so I just want to say thanks to them. It was, it was deadly crack. Um, I, I don't think we actually specifically said this was a TEDx a University of Strathclyde, wasn't it? At the University of Strathclyde, which yeah. in, which really, really funnily, uh, apparently has very few Scottish people studying in, in it, uh, oh. which I thought was like just really funny and also really great. Because like the, the diversity of the TEDx team was insane. Like every person you talked to was from a di- different background, from a different country, and they all had really cool different stories to tell and it was just uh, that was that was deadly like getting to see all that it's really cool um didn't meet a single scottish person <laughs> like actually throughout my entire trip actually because i stayed with uh, a mutual friend of ours who's irish and yeah then i met all of the tedx crew who none of whom were scottish and then i stayed with your brother who is also not Scottish. So the entire time, if we exclude the woman, the lovely woman at the information desk in the airport, I didn't meet a single Scottish person. Which is <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird. Um, but but yeah, so so that was TEDx. The, the videos should be out sometime soon. And when they are, I will most definitely link people. I won't be a bundle of nerves when they drop. <laughs> so yeah. Um, oh, and I found a new beer. Oh, you found a new beer. I got, I got to talk. I got to talk about this, right? So, for for context, for the listener, licorice beer or something, is it? No, I wish though. Oh, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, the yeah, for context, I'm not a massive drinker, but w- if I do drink, I usually only drink Guinness and a push whiskey. That's it. Like yeah. I don't like and sometimes sometimes lagers. Don't, don't that you? that's only when they don't have Guinness and I can't. Oh, okay. And I'm like I'm not in the mood for drinking whiskey. <laughs> so yeah. so at a push I will drink light beers, but it's definitely uh, a less favorite second option. Um. Mm-hmm. So I was out with your brother uh, and we're in a bar and I order my Guinness and that's all well and good and he orders this drink called Krabby's, which okay. which is like an alcoholic ginger ale. And oh. I tasted it, and like I was like, "This is gonna taste like absolute, like just it's gonna be awful." And it was glorious. Like it is so incredibly delicious, and like to the point, it's so easy to drink. Like you drink buckets of that stuff. Like oh, it's amazing. So I actually I did a very rare thing. I ditched the Guinness and had crabbies from then on in, and that's that is not nice. something that happens every day in Eggerland. So now I'm on a mission to find crabbies in Ireland. I'm really hoping I can find it. We we used to drink uh, Ginger Joe a good bit in college. I don't know if you remember that. What's a Ginger Joe? Ginger Joe's. It's another. It's an alcoholic ginger beer. But I was never that mad about it. To be honest, it was kind of. I thought it was kind of weak. Felt like it just kind of tasted quite quite watery or something. Um, but you might. Yeah, anyway, give it a try if you come across it. Yeah, this one didn't though. This one had a real yeah. beautiful like tang of ginger. Like it really hit the back of your throat. It was yeah. really lovely. Well, I mean, I mean, maybe you'll like it more than I did. Uh, maybe it's not a thing I'm fond of. They they certainly used to sell it in the uh, 
that shop on that street where your workplace is. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, maybe it's like the alcoholic version of Slania. Except reversed. Yeah, that seems plausible. E- except reversed. Is that that you liked it? And no way, hang, I'm really confused now. No, it's the, not reversed. It's the same. It's the same. Okay. It's the same. <laughs> oh, thank God. It's like it's like the it's like the ginger beer version of folk metal and licorice. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. And thank God for editing, and I can take all of that awkwardness out. Oh, it's it's made in Weybridge in Surrey. I've got a very good friend from Weybridge. Oh, oh, there you go. I uh, could put in a favor and just get him, get him, to him or her to order me a whole massive crate of it. Because that's how it works. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Like when you come from that area, you have intimatized with everything that comes out of that area and you can do deals for people? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's, that's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> anyway, that was TEDx. Uh, it was super meaty. Oh, it sounded like you had a great time, dude. I did have a great time. Uh, and I was very proud of you. Thank you, man. I was proud of myself for not dying miserably on stage. <laughs> um, is there anything else? Oh, yeah, there's one last thing. One final thing about this. I, yep. I was always of the opinion that uh, Glasgow was not a nice city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always sold to me as being very dark and grey and utilitarian. And rough. Rough, yeah. And it, by Glasgow people, like, I'm not, this is not some sort of, like, racism. Like, Glasgow people are like, oh, God, Glasgow, it's awful. Uh, it showed up there. It's stunning. I think I've heard that from a lot of people in the last few years that it's either it was never the case or it's just it's really cleared up and and changed in the last couple. Yeah, it was. I couldn't get, I so. couldn't get over how beautiful it was, and every time you turn a street corner, it'd be another ancient building standing there. Like it's just mm. it's just absolutely gorgeous. And then people like York, like no York, York is no York is York. York is really really stunning. <laughs> like the, 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 the not many places compete with York in terms of like sheer raw beauty, um, but no, because it was it was great. But anyhow, uh, the yeah, and then people while I was in uh, Glasgow were like, wait until you get to Edinburgh. Edinburgh really is beautiful, and Glasgow will pale into insignificance. Went to Edinburgh and was like, yeah, these two cities are equally beautiful. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, I, I didn't find Edinburgh, and Edinburgh's always held up as being this amazing place. Like, I didn't find it any more attractive than than Glasgow. Like, albeit they have the big castle, and that's really pretty. But, yeah, yeah Glasgow. I was, I was shocked, really, like, positively shocked with Glasgow. Cool. Yeah. Anyhow. Okay, so what are we moving on to next? I really like this when you're in control of the show notes, and I don't know what we're doing next. Okay, will we um, have a... Do you want to quickly do politics corner and then a, a brief dip into the green room? Do you think we can manage it with a time frame? Um, I mean, I don't really have a lot to say about the politics. Well, let, let's mention it briefly because by the time this airs, it'll be over. Yeah, so by the time this airs, this might be the last thing anyone will have ever listened to. Uh, <laughs> and you, you might be sitting in your Fallout-esque bon- yeah. bunker listening to it on an old-timey radio because the wa- world is experiencing a nuclear winter. I think this, um, this pretty sums up, <laughs> sums up my feelings towards this election. Uh, yeah, so we're, you know, hello listeners, we're, we're coming at you from the past, before the 8th of November 2016. Uh, so hope that goes well for those of you in the States. Um, those of you who can vote, vote. Yes, for Hillary. yes, <laughs> for Hillary. I love the way we we tentatively talked about this, and it didn't make the last show, and we were kind of like not 
too kind of like we didn't express our leftness that much, but now it's just like, no, like clearly Hillary's the right example. Like, why are we... I mean, actually, no, there's no point in saying that because, as I said, by the time you hear this, it'll, it'll be done. But, um, you know, I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I, I have two questions. Just really quick two questions on Politics Corner. One, Bill, it. do you think... This is personal opinion questions. Do you think she'll make it in? Uh, I think she has better chances than the other fella. Okay, so are you, are you predicting a narrow win for Hillary? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I'd say that. I think I'm on the same team as you. Like, I, I, can, okay. I can't imagine this is going to landslide, but like, I don't know whether or not I just don't want to accept a reality where Trump wins, but I can't, I can't see it happening. Yeah. Like, the, the winner always moderates out. Like, the winner is always the slightly more moderate person, like, um... I can't see someone that extreme winning, but I, I hope they don't like, cause it's just not, and especially with what. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. I see what you mean. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially with like what's going on in England as well now where everything's become really extremist and it's, we don't need all of this extremism um, going on, you know? So I'm, it, it's a worrying time for everyone. So I hope dear listener in the future, you are not in your bunker listening to this. I hope the world is still okay. <laughs> um, and the other thing I was going to, uh, say our ask was do you feel sorry for anyone in the states with this election and that's a bit of a leading question but you know i mean any minorities yeah okay but that's mm, okay at the risk of insulting minorities that's kind of low-hanging fruit like that's so patently obvious that they've been done by uh, hard done by i think there's a group of people that have been incredibly hard done by that no one talks about uh, and it's like, maybe it's an unpopular thing. I, I think the group of people that have been hard done by are like your normal, average, run-the-mill, non-crazy Republicans. Because it's like, they have a political ideology they like. They like small government and they like being conservative. Yeah. That's fine. And like, they don't really have anybody to vote for. Like, either they get get on team crazy or they jump ship and hop political ideology, at least nominally hop political ideology onto Hillary. Like, you're kind of... Yeah, like I mean, and, and I, I, I see the point you're making. I definitely see the point you're making. And there is uh, a whole section of people there who have a, a, a choice that is going to be difficult for them personally. But, I mean, it's been going that way and it has been drifting that way for at least a decade now probably longer and that's kind of you they are reaping what has been sown by by the party yeah like gop have just been doubling down on crazy yeah yeah yeah. that that is true that is true but again like it's not like the average and i I, i'm not saying that in that i mean you know entirely hostile to everything on the right that's not the case at all um but you know no they're just this is this is the thing though that they're just like we're we're lefties, I think that's a little bit obvious. Uh, I don't broadly speaking, yeah, yeah, broadly speaking. yeah. I don't think that's like that. that like, it's not going to shock anyone. No, it's not. But like at the same time, like there's nothing wrong with being right leaning. It's just another political ideology. Like I don't like when people go, "Oh, you're not. You don't think the same way as I do. Therefore, you are just like wrong." And that's not the case. There's no such thing as a bad political 
ideology. It's just bad people. Ah, here. No, there's bad people. And you can't, I'm not accepting Stalinism as a bad political ideology because that's not really a political ideology. Well, then, you, then you're just changing the, the grounds of the argument. No, no, but mo- of, most, most... Of course there's no, bad ones. No, but most mainstream ones are, but like, like communism. Yeah, most mainstream ones. Yeah, but yeah hang, but sure. Like, but that's, they only get into the mainstream by being non-crazy. Okay, but hang on, hang on. Communism, right? Usually cited as just being a downright evil system by people. Like, and that's, that's, I'm not making... Nah, no, I wouldn't say usually. Yeah, totally. It's like seen as the antichrist of democracy, the thing you shouldn't do if you want a decent uh, moral system. Like, this is all over the internet. That's a mad overstatement. Not in, <laughs> not in Europe. Man, have you... Okay, right, okay, right. But I mean on the internet. Like, I, I get that Europeans have a different relationship towards socialism and communism than other people yeah. do. Um, but in general, it's not uncommon for people to be like, equate communism with being evil. And it's like, but it's just a system. And yes, bad things have happened under the umbrella of communism, but that's because they were bad and evil rulers. Do you know? Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. Yeah, sorry, I just want to put it out there that we shouldn't, like, even though we're lefties, we should be able to acknowledge the right when it, the right when it has a right opinion. When it has good ideas. When it has good ideas. And good ideas can come from any ideology. And there's a lot wrong with the left oh. as well. Like, it's not like the left is this perfect bastion of, of like, pure untouched ideological brilliance like it's it's not i am but like that's just me you are like scandinavia a lord to yourself yeah I'm deadly because you're deadly um but yeah i so yeah, i feel the same way as you bill i think that hillary will just will just sneak it i think that's important that she does i i, I feel kind of happy to have been alive for this like, I think the Obama election was a cool one to live through. And this is also another really big landmark one yeah. to live through. Um, First one, definitely. Second one, second one wasn't as interesting. Uh, the second Obama one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was, but that was a given, wasn't it? He just was going to steamroll that, like. Um, not not always, but towards the end, as, as I recall, yeah. All right. Oh, I, thought, I remember it just being like, well, of course Obama's going to do another one. I'd love to know the data on uh, how many second terms are gotten because like when Bush did his second term, the feeling I remember feeling was, well, of course he's just going to finish the thing he started. And then Obama's going to finish the thing he started. And then like Hillary Clinton or, or Trump, God help us all. will my feeling is they'll just do their two terms. Like it feels like unless, unless they do something stupidly wrong, they'll just sit out. All all, all of the last three have, um, is that right? Yeah. Uh, Bush won, didn't Reagan did, and then we're going back. Quite, who was before then? Was Carter. Before well, hold on. I can't remember did, who was before did, that. Did Bush won? I'm really sorry for people who are into their politics, and if I'm going to say something stupid here, but did Bush one do something stupidly bad? I know there was the Gulf War and things. Um, I don't know to be honest. Um, he threw up on the president of, of the prime minister of Japan. <laughs> did he? Yeah. Oh my God, Bill, Bill. Sorry. Okay, I realize we're tight in time, but I've sorry. I, ju- I have an amazing politics story that I have to tell you. Yeah, the Prime Minister of Japan. Go, go ahead. It, it just popped into my head. So, do you want to hear a story involving modern politics and shamanistic cults? Do I? It's amazing. Okay, so this is this is legit. What has been happening? Okay. Now, uh, to to put a little disclaimer on this, I've heard this from people. Uh, there might be an element of Chinese whispers, but the nugget of this is is correct. The the president of South Korea has been the puppet of a shamanistic cult for. Oh yes, I know. <laughs> this is 
But it's like it's it's even more than that. It's like a corporate cabal as well. Yeah, like, yeah. And well, that's I, I didn't know there was a, a mystic element to it. I just heard that it was there was like a group of eight who were uh, like a they were all corporate leaders. Yeah, like I when I did a bit of research, the word shamanistic keep popping up. So cool. And then and then like for, for so for the listeners, uh, this person has the, the president was a puppet of this these eight people, and her actions were being informed by just those eight people, which is incredibly scary. Yeah, uh, like she was. She they were calling the shots. She was taking her orders from this cabal. And then what makes it even kind of weirder, like, is that her? I think it's grandfather or great grandfather were oh, sorry she and the main leader of the cabal are like besties and then her grandfather was also besties with the den leader of the cabal so there's like oh, so this cabal has been going for ages so there's this yeah there's this like lineage thing going on which like i'm not like I, I don't think it's been a continuous corruption of government the entire way through but like mm-hmm. it's really creepy and then in response in response to being caught out uh with this she says sorry and then proceeds to fire everyone <laughs> she, she just gets rid of her entire cabinet you're kind of like hang on why and then the only reason i can think is just because reasons like it's just like i got caught i did a bad thing all other ministers are gone. Finance minister, you're gone. Get out of here. It's like, what is this? Yeah. Like, it, it's, it, in a lot of ways, it's, it seems like this is the year, or it's another year in a, a trend in the last while of cyberpunk becoming irrelevant. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is a beautiful summation about the state of the world. <laughs> like, you know all, all the stuff of um what we see with the the sale of you know data collected online and the surveillance co- conducted by governments um the the mess that's the election uh election. a nominally sovereign nation within the united states being invaded on behalf of an oil company and corporate interests literally having the president of south korea as a puppet like it's like there's no point in, in cyberpunk anymore. Give it up. We like we, we'll have to look at some other kind of fiction. Yeah, like <laughs> like our cyberpunk is just the news. <laughs> yeah, 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 more or less. And you know, VR got really big this year as well, which is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I, I tried VR in Scotland. Oh yeah, yeah. How was it? Uh, it well, I think I tried a really low tech bit of VR. It was in a museum. Um, it was fine. Like I've heard people describe it as being the most mind blowing thing ever. Uh, not really. Like... You know, I, I wouldn't expect to, to have a strong reaction to it. Yeah, it's like... I don't know, because your brain is still a th- tethered to reality. It's still like, oh, I am in this mask viewing a, uh all-encompassing image. Yeah. It's like... I don't know, in order for me to get truly mind-blown about these things, it would be a sort of thing where it's like, my consciousness has now been uploaded into a game. Like, that would be like, holy yeah. God. But this, this VR thing, it's just, it's, it seems like it's just a television set strapped to your face, and so it's really close to you. And you don't have, like, I remember, this is a long time ago, like maybe 10 years or more, but I remember going on like a, kind of a, a VR roller coaster thing. So it was like a, an enclosed roller coaster car that had screens around you and it would tilt like when you're going downhill or uphill or whatever and the person who went on it with was like oh wow that was amazing but it was just like that was rubbish there was no actual sense of motion or anything i was just Mm. in a seat that was at an angle yeah and there was a video playing yeah i'm totally with that like and i think it's just this is just 
a super high tech version of that. Like, and I don't, yeah. I don't understand. Uh, CGP Grey uh, has a has a podcast bill called Cortex, uh, and mm-hmm. they had one particular episode where they spent probably about an hour and a half, like equating their VR experience with like tripping acid and being like. <laughs> And being like, this is just, it's an altered state of like consciousness. And maybe that's not quite the words they use, but they, it clearly had a profound effect on them. And I was like, I paradigm shifting. Yeah. And I was like, it's okay. Maybe like, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, and I'm, I'm the type of person who'd be like, this is class. I really like this, but no, just didn't get it. Um, but any case, yes, no need for cyberpunk. Uh, the world has gone terribly terribly wrong over the past year just so many things have gone wrong and i hope that we have one nugget of some of 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 kind of positive news in that hillary gets elected less negative than might be otherwise possible yeah exactly because i I wouldn't (laughs) i'm not exactly rejoicing at the fact that hillary is the democratic yeah. nominee like like clearly american i'm really sorry and i and you voted for this actually so why am i even sorry bernie was the right answer uh your your voting system is just messed up <laughs> i'm not even gonna make any qualms about that it's only a system you know so um anyhow politics corner done politics corner done um we've got a little bit of time left will i uh see if our special if our special guest is ready to to come in and say hello uh, okay so bill said that we are getting a special guest and I am really... Hello, friend. Hello, friend. I don't... What? Hello, friend. Oh, that you are not Bill. What? You are not Bill. What's he saying to me? He says you are not Bill. I am not Bill. You are that not Bill. That is very true. Ah, my very God. true. Am I allowed to say your name? Uh, do, uh, or, yeah. Yeah, you, real names are totally okay. Yeah, as long as you don't reveal my secret identity. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, listeners, this is Rory. This is Bill's brother, the person I stayed with in, in Glasgow and who introduced me to Krabby's. He is a general all-around good guy. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, having Edgar visit your hometown or where you live is, is a wonderful experience because he looks at everything with such a, a sense of childlike wonder. It just opens your eyes to new things so much more. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's I'm, I don't feel embarrassed at all. You're really you really sound there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to admit it's true, though, Edgar. Yeah, you have a certain sense of childlike wonder. Wait, oh, hang up. Hold on, hold on. What are you? Oh, that's right. You flew flew home with me, and you were flying. So well, hang on. Yes, we were on the same plane. No, remember, we were on the same plane. But hold on, I'm still confused here. So wait, Bill, are you in your familial home now, or is Rory visiting you in your ho- house? I'm I'm in my home home. I'm right now. I'm in my my parents home. Oh, okay, and then Rory's still over. Oh, I, I, I yes, I didn't realize that, man. I thought you. I I totally like brain fart moment there. Just yeah. <laughs> so lovely. How are you to know? What's uh, what are we talking about today then? Uh, we just finished talking about politics. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, so that'll that's be a fun one. A, that's um, a shit storm waiting to happen anyway, <laughs> and not not at all divisive. Here comes the death threats. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's if we make it past next Tuesday, because this isn't going to be on air until you know oh, like sometime late next week at the earliest. Oh God, the world could be ended by then. That's, that, that is exactly our thesis, or at least it was yeah. mine. Uh, <laughs> do, do you know what? Well, it's been nice knowing you. Do you know what's just occurred to me, Bill? Actually, uh, is that Rory is like famous for coming on podcasts and being really controversial oh remember? god no you can't you can't tell that story i don't, I don't even know i see the things i don't even know that story but i remember you came home one time to to the flat and you yeah it was a bill was like how was the podcast and you were just like i did bad things 
it's so it's all a, all copies of that podcast were destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, like the the, the 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 hard drive was taken out and burnt. <laughs> <laughs> the internet was scoured for any any uh any, any sign any any ones and zeros that 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 made up the information that made up that podcast were deleted. <laughs> And overwritten with different ones and zeros. Okay, so it's- so the ones and zeros don't even exist anymore. <laughs> so we have so that now there is two things that could happen, right? Yeah. Either no one is ever going to to hear this episode because it's going to be nuclear winter because Trump made it in, or no one's yeah. going to hear this episode because after you'll get on like a mad guilt trip afterwards of being like, oh Jesus, I really messed up that last bit by being super over the top controversial, and it'll never get <laughs> never get seen the light of day. No, no, no. Honestly, I'm not going to say it in too bad. I'm not, <laughs> too going to say it, but it, it, I'm not even going to talk about what I said, but it was, it was not, it was not, it, was, it wasn't something I was proud of. So, <laughs> Well, no, to, but to be fair though, to be fair, like the podcast, I, 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 like I, the impression I got was that podcast was very much like a roasting podcast. Like the whole point was yeah. that you show up and you really lay into people. Yeah, 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 it really was. But yeah, there's 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 a line you don't cross, and I think I might have crossed. It. Although t- I felt immediately felt guilty and went, "Oh God!" Although to be fair, in my head, I'd like to think that this podcast was some sort of like I don't know language learning podcast, like a real. Like a <laughs> yeah, you know what it was? It was a children's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what a problem with Irish people? <laughs> oh God! Um, right, listen, gentlemen, I'm going to love you and leave you because. Uh, <laughs> Because honestly, this is—I can already feel myself about to say something stupid. So, uh, hang on, wait, sorry, no, no, hang on, Rory. Before you go, sorry, I have so many questions here. How on earth yeah. are you recording this? What? How, Bill? How have you got your what? mic set up? Are you are you two swiveling your mic around every time one of you wants to talk? No, we've just got the mic facing us. Oh, are the two of you like We're kind of stacked? Po- yeah, because kind of like if you imagine like a little sandwich, like. <laughs> Actually, like no, like a megazord. This, this is already not the right the right image I want to give the listeners. <laughs> oh my god, a McGrath sandwich. I like it. Oh god, that's disgusting. No, yeah, we're just kind of we're just kind of propped up beside each other. So okay, okay. It, that's also not an image I want to give. This is <laughs> this is not going well. Right, listen. I, <laughs> what other questions? Get them through them quickly before I hang myself in some other way. Oh no, that, no, that's that's all the questions. Okay, that's good. Wait, that's good. All right, listen. It's been emotional, pal. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. You're awesome. No butter, pal. Bye bye. Right, talk to you there, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, is Bill back? Bill is back. Bill is back. My God, that is like the largest non sequitur that's ever happened in the history of podcasts. <laughs>